What's up, you dirtbags? Little change in the introduction. I am Luke Payne, your co-host of the Dirtbags podcast with my co-host, Luke Agerbrot. Luke, how you doing? I am doing great, man. Uh, hell of an intro there. Yeah, I really, I was really, I was writing that one down and trying to like place my words correctly. It just, I don't know. There's something about your intros, Luke. You can't beat them. Oh, no. Yours sounded good. I think, uh, I think we might have to make a full, full-time change here. Uh, there we go. You gotta, you gotta include the cheers brother in there when I bring you in, you know, kind of sad. Yeah, I got, there you go, then, got waters tonight, but <laughs> well, welcome, man. It's been fuck, like a week since we've been really pumping out these podcasts, which is fun. It's fun to actually, I feel like we went kind of months at times where we didn't speak. And now it's like every week we're talking, coming up with different ideas and bringing questions together. So it's, it's been fun to get more interactive with it. Dude, I tell you what, I feel like you get in your flow state when you really are cranking out episodes every week, because like you mentioned, you and I are now talking and doing podcasts together almost every week where before we would record two and then four to six weeks would go by. Then we'd record two or three. So I'm really loving where this is going. I feel like we are really dialing in the content and the messaging and also just the speakers that we have coming in our our guest podcast all of these fun things we've got going this year um really really excited to just hammer down this year yeah i really think like the rants and the q and a's have kind of taken off as far as popularity goes and that being said hopefully people listening send us your questions we've had a really good amount of questions come through thus far but keep sending them in it helps helps keep fresh content. It helps keeps you and I up to date and we can all learn something from them. So again, send your questions in. Yeah. And another point to that, if you have a question, you can just shoot it over and we will answer it. There's, it's almost a guarantee unless it's a dumb question. <laughs> then sometimes we we'll don't still answer it, but we'll tell you it's dumb. No, we're just kidding. We wouldn't say it's a dumb question. We'll always answer them, but yeah, but it's a, uh, it's fun though. It, it, I feel like we are getting more and more connected with the people that do listen to the show and obviously the people that shoot us messages. Thank you. Share it on Instagram. Um, but also just messages on LinkedIn, text messages, that kind of stuff. It's cool to see that you guys are all listening and just let us know what you do enjoy, what you don't. And, uh, we're just trying to make it as, as good as we can. And we're uh, having a ton of fun this year and we've got some big things planned for you guys. Big things coming. But anyway, if you haven't noticed, this will be a Q&A session tonight. But Luke, I think we should dive into the webinar a little bit. Obviously, we've released it on social media, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast in depth. So January 30th, 7.30 Central Standard Time. Is that correct, Luke? Yes, sir. We've got Scott Peeper. He is the CEO and president of Mobilization Funding. Uh, he is also an author a dad, entrepreneur, you name it. He's he's a dirtbag as well. He has a fascinating story. So essentially he only does funding for construction companies, but it's more of a cash flow sense. So if you, Luke, if you need financing for equipment, he doesn't necessarily do that, but they help you as you get a new, a new bid or a new project at $1.5 million dollars, what he has seen is that typically you need to front that as a contractor, as a subcontractor, you need to front X amount of the cost because 
and correct me if I'm wrong on this, if, if you start the project, you're paying labor and materials, and then you don't get in the invoice paid until 30 days, usually after that at the very best. And so how are you fronting that first 150, 200 grand? Yeah. It's to give a little, you know, point to that. So you start the project, right? Say you start on the first of the month. Okay. You've got 20 days of work that you do before you can even send an invoice. Most invoices are due at the 25th of every month. On top of that, then you've got 30 days until you're supposed to get paid. So in essence, it's usually like 60 days of what you're supposed to front, which you can get a lot done in 60 days. It depends on the project. Some people, you know, there's some projects where you come and do materials first with your utilities and you got to pay for your materials. Um, Others, you start with the earthwork and yeah, it's, it's an ever learning type of environment because there's so many variables and it's, it's cool that he's seen that. And again, I've seen through his LinkedIn post, just how he describes like, here's what is needed up front. Here's what you got to have cash on hand. Here's what you're going to have to, you know, come up with. And another point to the webinar too, I've sent him three of our, I'll call them mid-sized bids that we're act we're actually active on right now. And so on the webinar, I don't know if he's going to pick one or two or three of them, but he's going to kind of dive in and go through those numbers. And again, with the webinar, those are real numbers. So it'll be kind of yeah. cool to see what he has to say about it. And as far as, you know, my standpoint, I'm anxious to be like, he's going to be like, Luke, you need 600 grand before you even start this project. And I'll be like, fuck, we definitely didn't when we did, but so I'm anxious for that. Yeah. And that's a great point as well. And for people that have been to Dirtbags University, uh, you know exactly how valuable that is. If if you were at the one with Will Schuler, for example, he opened up his numbers and his spreadsheets, but you can only do that if it's a safe place. And so we don't record this. We don't send it out afterwards. So if some of you listening to the podcast and listening to this right now are confused at what Dirtbags University is because you've never seen it, uh, it is a private webinar. Anyone can sign up to it and come. There's a registration link on our website. If you go to Dirtbags or dirtbagspodcast.com, hit the Dirtbags University tab. You can sign up there and it is not in person. This is a virtual webinar. If you have a computer or phone, you can jump on and it's at night too. So we try and take out as many excuses as possible. It's at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on a Tuesday, January 30th. You probably don't have much going on. And the way, Luke, you and I have done this is, you know, grab a drink of your choice. Grab a beer. Grab a glass of whiskey. Like, let's have a good time doing it. But also learn something that you can put into your business. Learn something and grow. And we do it that way. And you're also networking with so many other construction company owners all around the world. And so we have many different time zones, people in different states, countries, uh, and all over that get together for these webinars and want to learn something. So Scott, we are bringing him in as a speaker. He's going to speak to us for about 30 to 45 minutes. And then probably my favorite part is we open it up for the next 45 minutes to live Q&A scenarios. Yeah, and that's where, you know, again, bring those questions, bring your actual, you know, life scenarios to where you can ask the question to him and then help. Hopefully he can help kind of walk you through the situation. Luke, I think, you know, how we come up with these webinars too is question-based, right? We take a lot of the questions that we get 
you know, say we've gotten a lot about cash flow. So it only makes sense to do a webinar based on cash flow. What does that mean? What does that look like? You know, so again, going back to the questions point, this also helps fuel the webinar because we want to find the person who's best fit to help explain these situations. Because again, like you always say, we are not, you know, we are not the professionals in every field. We try to right. learn as much as we can, but there are people smarter than us. And that is what the webinar is for. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of people smarter than us. And yes. yeah, so it's, it's just a great time. Uh, Luke, you and I, we, we host it and we kind of bridge some of the gaps there, but ultimately uh, it's just a great time. We kind of get to sit back and have a good time, but also facilitate some of the questions. Usually I'm in the chat, um, putting people in line for when they have a question and then we'll bring them in, uh, into the panel and get to ask Scott, you and myself, uh, yep. a question we'll walk through your scenario. So it's a great time to, you, you get out what you put in. If, if you pay attention and you're taking notes and you're accessing the spreadsheets that they're recommending, things like that, you're going to get a lot out of it. So, uh, one other thing that I really appreciate is Scott, uh, is going the extra mile as well. And he's actually sending a free copy of his book to anyone that registers. Uh, and you'll notice when you register, that's why I had asked for the mailing address, uh, cause Scott is going to send that out. So a huge shout out to Scott and all you guys too, for continuing to show up to those, um, we love doing it, but it's also, there's the bigger mission too, of continuing to move the industry forward when it comes to education. Absolutely. There's nothing better than free education, right? And that's, it's not free, you know, it's $20, 20 bucks. but the, the book, right. And then the actual value that he provides with the webinar, right. You're getting far more value than what 20 bucks, what $20 brings you $20 barely even buys you lunch anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that was a big part of when we looked at when we should do it, how often, how much it should cost. It's how can we do this? So it takes the excuses out as much as possible. And yeah, for 20 bucks, cause we looked at doing a free webinar potentially, and it just went against everything we were about. And typically with free webinars, you don't have any skin in the game. So you don't show up or you leave halfway through. But when you have a little bit of that skin in the game, it forces you to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to block out an hour and a half here and sit through this and learn something and also have a couple of drinks while I'm at it. Absolutely. No, there's nothing better that I can think of than that. So, and I'll be back in the saddle that day too. You'll be drinking. You'll be done with 75 hard Luke. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. If I make it so that, uh, You'll yeah, that'd be, that'd be day 76. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a good day. That's exciting. That's exciting. But, but Without further ado, I think we dive into some of these questions, Luke. Hell yeah, dude. Let's do it. Uh, I know you had a few that we wanted to go off of. So what do we got? Beautiful. So first one, oddly enough, I put a linked out or a LinkedIn post out last night. And I'm just, my whole goal this year is kind of trying to show like the, I don't want to call it bad sides, but like the lessons learned throughout the year. Right. So I put a, I put a post out last night and it was, you know, I talked about what I struggled with the most in 2023. And the question was, Luke, I've noticed you've been pretty vulnerable on your LinkedIn. Are you ever worried that this will ever come back to bite you in the ass? The answer is no, I'm not worried about it because the amount of like positivity that I got back on that post of just like, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. It's fun to see like the not so pretty side to where it really kind of helps strengthen 
you know, my thought process of like, okay, it is okay to share these things and it is okay to have these conversations with people. I don't see any issue because I've just always kind of been somebody to talk about things. And I know like if I, if I'm vulnerable and I can put something out, there's probably somebody that's been in the same position that they're going to, you know, if they want to shed some of their insight back on me and I can maybe learn something from them. Again, like we had just stated, I, I'm not the smartest person in the room, right? But I want to put this out there to where maybe somebody smarter than me can chime in and give me some of their advice as well. Yeah. And who says it's not okay? Who, yeah. who is this person that is dictating what you can and can't say anytime, especially on LinkedIn? This is the place for it, if anything. And I get like, I sorry to cut you off, and I get the negativity side to it. Like you're showing weakness within your business, right? Do you think that's going to deter people away? Simple answer, no. I think showing what you struggled with is good, but then also showing like you're trying to make improvements and showing that you, you know, you yourself know that you need improvement in certain areas. And then if people interact and if people, you know, work with you, they're going to notice like, hey, he's really trying to, you know, work on his communication. He's really trying, you know, he's reading psychology books, you know, what, why, why for? But it's all about kind of strengthening what didn't go well from last year to this year and being vulnerable. Simple answer again, no, I don't think it hurts you at all. Yeah. Every single person, business owner, employee, anyone can relate back to a time where shit hit the fan for them or for their business or for something in their life. It, it is nobody is perfect or even close to perfect. And why not share some of that transparently, but bigger than that, what are you going to do to combat that this year? And that when you look at your LinkedIn post, that's what you talk about. Mm -hmm. What worked well, what didn't communication. I, I loved this one. Assuming, uh, that yeah. is one. That is a great one. I've I've never thought of that, but if you want to touch on that quickly, I thought that was gold. So the example like that I thought of when I typed that out, we were going into we were meeting with a general contractor, right? It was me and one of the PMs. And we're going into this meeting and we're noticing like, hey, this site's getting small. Like we've got 2000 yards that we got to keep on site here for the backfill. And that was kind of what we were going in to talk about. Like, hey, there might be a change order if you guys want to haul all this out. And we get in and the owner sits down and I start talking. And basically, and he's, I was telling him the situation and he goes, and why do you think that, Luke? And I was like, well, it's kind of assumed that you're going to have to put the dirt back in the foundation, right? And he stops me and he goes, never fucking assume in construction ever again. And he like, dead serious when he was saying this and i was like i don't even know what to say like he was like nudging me like we should go this guy looks pissed and i was like that was a very good learning moment for me because again he's right i should not have assumed i should have put that somewhere in our declarations or whatever and said dirt to stay on site and if it you know if they would have seen that maybe they could have you know rectified it at that time and said we're not going to have any space because we have to put these here and again me not knowing that other trades had to put other things in and whatever that they had to stockpile but that is the example that i was thinking of when i wrote that because again i went in assuming things without really having a basis that i could assume on, you know a lot of that 
comes from experience though it does because as you just start you don't do any of that and as you continue to hit some of these roadblocks you will never assume with that certain scenario again but how can we be proactive to something that hasn't happened yet or something you haven't assumed yet how can you add that in without even knowing or having that situation happen yet inclusions and exclusions list put those in your bids right what is compromised of your bid or what do you have included as far as you know say there's different say there's different boring samples right and they give you like a wide range of hey you've got contaminated soils 20 feet down possibly but there for sure is you know three feet down okay, well, I'm going to put in my inclusions list like, hey, we have soil corrections up to 10 feet in here. If it goes over that, then there's going to be a change order. If it goes below that, here's your cost reduction. You know, again, setting a very, very like clear inclusion list yeah. can help a lot as well. And it stops the assumptions. Same with exclusions. Yeah. The great part about that too is that all happens before they agree to it, before 100%. they sign off on it. And so if they look at that and they say, Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Let's do it. Anything. And they sign off on it. You're good to go. And if they do come back and say, absolutely not, we need to get this done. Just go back and say, well, you signed off on it. This is how we do it. And so that's most of them will do their due diligence to where that won't happen. And I mean, that can be kind of a make or break in a lot of bidding too, that we've seen. If your exclusion list is three pages long, you're probably not going to get the contract your number might look good yeah. but when you're excluding everything that the bid calls out for you to do you should probably just put that in your numbers and then include that in your inclusions all right you dirtbags we're going to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors lambert insurance services if you know luke and i you know we started this podcast to provide value to the construction industry when we went to seek out an insurance company to work with there's not a whole lot that are specific to the industry. And we really didn't want to work with a generalist agency. So we kind of put that on the back burner. Then we got to meet Sam Lambert. Sam is a fellow dirtbag himself. He's been in the industry for a long time, but he also started his insurance company in 2008, specifically for construction companies. So when we had that conversation, we knew that this would be the perfect match. Uh, So we started working with him and he's been incredible. He leads first. He wants to be a resource first and an insurance agency second. They can help with provide general liability, workers comp, commercial truck insurance, insurance for equipment, and so many more different avenues that he can provide coverage for. The great part about it is, you know, they're licensed in most states and they always quote through multiple companies. So that's how you know you can get a competitive rate. And even better, uh, Sam, he's the owner. He wanted to provide his cell number just so if you have any questions, specifically from the dirt bags, you can always text him, give him a call, ask to compare plans or just ask, you know, what his rates would be. And then he can help direct you to the right place or answer your question from there. His number is 385-204-5799. Or you can reach them at their website, which is lambert-ins.com. So reach out to him if you have any insurance questions. We're very excited about this partnership. Uh, Sam is an awesome guy and we're just excited to continue providing value for all you dirtbags. So Thank you, Lambert Insurance. Give them a text, shoot them a call, let them know that you're fans of the Dirtbags podcast. 
All right, you dirtbags. Are you tired of tedious manual data collection and costly field studies in your quarry or sand and gravel operations? Let's talk about Vantage Point, the first quarry operation software crafted to meet the high demands of modern data-driven quarrying. Seamlessly connect all of your equipment data and access the crucial information you need instantly. Be the hero of your operation by boosting efficiency, exceeding your productivity goals, and bottom line revenue with VantagePoint. Discover why four of the top six aggregate material producers in the U.S. are using VantagePoint. Visit vantagepointquarry.com dirt to learn more. Yeah, and relating it back to your that question that was asked, when it comes to being that open, you got to be transparent with yourself and with others as well, because what are you trying to hide or what are you trying to work through? And I get it. Being transparent doesn't mean you need to put it out there or you don't need to put it on social media. But if you're already, for example, you, you're already posting on LinkedIn, why not have a section in there where it is transparent, where you do just talk about what has happened with you and how you're getting through it? Because it's not only going to help you, but it could help others. And I think that's what you're seeing as well. 100%. And honestly, that's a really good like entry into this next question, right? And it is, what is the best way to build a brand that will attract people who you will want to do work with? I think being vulnerable, you know, you as the owner and putting things out as like, I don't know everything, but I'm, I'm trying. And you kind of show that improvement through your social media, through, you know, your growth of the companies that's what's going to make people want to work with you is honestly kind of building like your company brand around your personal brand, if that makes sense, because you are the company. So you want to build both of them up to be very credible. And like you said, Luke, things come with experience. So you want to be able to show like, hey, this is where I messed up. I recognize that I showed up. I know I have to improve, you know, and you make that I don't know. You paint that picture to show how you improved basically. I think as you're looking at building your brand, your culture, your company, when, especially when you relate it to people wanting to come work for you, if they see that you're investing in like work with you, like I, I take that as like companies, like general contractors, um, you know, people that want bids, you know, yeah. but again, also work for you as well. Yeah, both. So this this could be related to both. So uh, if they see that you're investing into your company, you're investing into the equipment, the team, the resources, your marketing, everything, that just shows that there's probably a chance that they're going to be investing in you and vice versa. If you see that they, it's the opposite and they're penny pinching everything and there isn't that light at the end of the tunnel or that career path for you or that picture that's painted. Um, one thing you can do to ask yourself is, you know, it, can this company adapt with the times or are they innovative? Can they continue to innovate with the times as we go through? Cause maybe it's all good now, but in two years, five years, 10 years, how is it going to look? And just the building the culture around it. And this would, tail off more into people wanting to come work with you. How do you then build that brand, that culture where you can attract people? That's a good question. 
I think, and I'm still a firm believer, like I don't create the culture. I set a standard, but I think the people within the company, they're the ones creating the culture based off your standards. Yeah. And I, exactly, because you aren't the company and I know you, it kind of goes against what you just mentioned, but you aren't the whole company because if you have 10 employees, you're outnumbered no matter what. And you have to realize that you can't do anything without your people that are making it happen. Yeah. And I guess it kind of goes two ways when you start talking about like, you know, creating that culture and then creating like a personal brand to, you know, show off to people that, you know, you're trying to attract as far as like, you know, future business. Those I feel like are two different because that person, say that project manager that comes across your LinkedIn posts and sees like, hey, here's where I did not do very well on this year. Here's here's my plan to improve. They're probably going to look into you a little bit more and be like, okay, yeah. who is this guy? You know, they're not going to look at your guys and be like, well, what's, what's their culture like? You know, they're going to, they're going to see that from your personal brand on how you represent your company. Yeah. That's, that's part of the culture though. It is part of the culture. You're right. It, but I feel like they're different cultures. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. But as, as the leader of the company, and like you mentioned, setting that standard, this is how we're going to do certain yes. things. Yes. And I just think leading from the front as well. And yeah. when you talk about that transparency and that's what you expect of your company, but I do see what you're saying too, of how, um, how that can change with how your company acts as well, or how the people in your company act. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. So, I mean, how I've done it and how I want to proceed to do it is just building, you know, my personal LinkedIn around myself, the company's values, and just kind of show the improvements of like, hey, I made mistakes. I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. Yeah. Here's how I'm combating things. Here's the lessons I've learned. Here's, you know, the wisdom that I gained from this. And by showing that off, I feel like it just makes you you know, more credible. And again, with anything more wisdom and yeah. Yeah, dude, it's been awesome to see. Uh, we've had quite a few people just join LinkedIn and then they'll connect with us and say uh, that they joined because they listen to the podcast. And like, how cool is that? that is and cool. I just tell them to, you know, if you're out scrolling Facebook or whatever, spend a, just a little bit more time here and a little bit less there. And you'll see why we, keep preaching it and why other people keep telling you that it's a, a good place to be. You can learn a lot from LinkedIn. And the sooner you realize that, the better you're going to be. It's the professional Facebook is what I compare it to. Yeah. And just getting, trying to get rid of, or what were you going to say? No, you go for it. Cause mine's just kind of a pointless fact. I talked about this at a previous podcast, but go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to mention uh, getting rid of that mindless scrolling. And so even limiting your time on LinkedIn, of course, but uh, jumping on and it's a, there's a great dirt world network on there and you start, it's got a really good algorithm where it just, you start to pick that up where now as you log on and I log on, that's all we see is people that we want to talk with people we want to network with. And uh, so they're pretty dialed in there. Things that we want to learn. Um, but anyway, I remember I mentioned, I think it was a couple podcasts ago about how I was going to surpass you on LinkedIn followers and connections. I looked Did today. I'm at 3,000 and you're at 6,000. 
Oh shit. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I'm probably not going to be surpassing any time that, or I'm going to have to come out with some really good content. So way to go, Luke, way to grow your LinkedIn to yeah, double I, what it was like <laughs> two months ago. <laughs> I've, I've never even looked at it. Um, I, cause I think followers and connections are different, I believe. Yeah. It's you, you know, there's like you, I don't know how it was broken up, but once you get to like connections, I think it goes like, 500 plus connections and then it gives you like your followers so i think you have like six thousand followers i, I just surpassed three thousand so i've got i've got some work to to do got some work to do well yeah. dude i uh i love it but no i love seeing when you'll be i can tell it's somebody connects with me and i'm their first connection i'm like hell yeah i should see if they listen Where to the they podcast and yeah. most of them do so it's really cool to see and just make that connection and uh yeah, love to see him on there. That's fun. No. Um, another question. This one kind of bringing us a different direction here. What's something you wish someone would have told you before you started your business? And Luke, I'm going to let you answer that one first. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first here and I'm going to take it a different route. I would want, you want to, can you repeat the question one more time? Yep. Please. Yeah. What's something you wish someone would have told you before you started your business? I would wish that more people talked about the positives of starting your own business. Really? Yeah. So I want to take it a different way because so many people gripe on owning their own business and complain and, uh, talk about how hard it is and i think as i mean i'm just glad that that didn't push me away enough and i was just i saw it and i was crazy enough to say well i still want to do it i, I crave those challenges and lucky enough that those challenges that you de uh, face and the critical thinking skills that you develop is why you're an entrepreneur is why you're a business owner you need that so I wish that more people would have painted the picture for me of what it can be like if you bust your ass, but also if you put the right people in your corner and you build trust with the right people and the right vendors and the right companies, how fun it can be, how awesome it can be to um, have your own clients. I think that that's overlooked and how cool it is that and out of all the other companies out there, this company chose us to to work with. And I just think there's a lot of reflection on that and how cool it is to to have that. And yes, you're going to work a lot more than you would if you had a job. But I think as a as a deep down, if you're an entrepreneur, that's what you crave is working very hard at something that you know you can do, or, you know, you're good at, or, you know, you're building from the ground up. And so, and then as you see that over the years, start to formulate your own brand, your own company, and you start to see that you're not just changing your life and your family's life, but other people's lives that come work for you. That's badass. Like that's even cooler. And then you start to get more excited about other people's bonuses and other people's paychecks and how that's changing their lives. So I wish I had a little bit more of that on the positive side, but I'm just glad that I went for it and can see 
how great it can be. And just living in this country, I think we got to probably start there of being able to like start these types of businesses, go out, do it, go out, get financing, have a badass economy, no matter what people say, and just be able to go make it happen. So yeah, that would be the advice I wish I would have heard before. That's, That's really good. I'm actually opposite end of the spectrum as you, because when I was thinking of this question earlier today, I wish people would have been, you know, I don't want to say show more bad, but almost be more vulnerable, right? What can go wrong? And, you know, not that they're trying to not shed, not shed positivity on starting businesses. I think there's a lot of positivity around it. I also think there's a lot of false positivity on it too. For sure. And that can be skewed. And that's where I wish somebody really, and it's tough to really kind of dive into things because they're so situational, but it's like, I wish I would have found somebody that, you know, had gone through a bunch of things and, you know, they were vulnerable about, you know, the instances that they incurred and then how they overcame them, what worked, what didn't work. And I don't want to say focusing on the negative, but almost like highlighting the negative of like, this is, this is going to happen. You're going to have more bad days than good. But when you do have those good days, you really got to enjoy them because they're fucking great. When you have those bad days, it's just, you got to look at it as like, Hey, it's just another day, another thing that you have to jump over. Um, So that's funny that we're kind of differs in we're, a like, we're, we're, we're seeing the same thing the though, because when I mentioned the challenges, you have yeah. to learn that 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 isn't truly a bad day because if you start chalking them up as that day was a bad day, you're gonna have a lot of those. And yeah. so we, I think you need to start figuring out where your bar is at. Of okay, this is just a kind of a normal day. If you're gonna get yelled at or something's gonna break or something's gonna go wrong, and you have to set a different standard as well. But we, so both you and I are saying the same thing and yeah, there's going to be a lot of hard shitty days, but we're just crazy enough to crave that and going on to be in that yeah. business to keep going. Yeah. Because like you did mention there, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, it's always going to be there. It's just depending yeah. on how much work you're going to put in. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess we are saying the same things. One thing I wish that was a thing is fact checkers on like TikToks and social media posts of people like flexing their shit. Oh, I yeah. bought this Lambo because I sold a thing to a thousand people for a thousand dollars and I'm a millionaire. I yeah. wish like somehow there was a fact checker behind that and be like, actually, this is rented. You have $1,252 yeah. in your bank account. You're a fraud. I would love to see that on social media. Yeah. And I think that's where I really struggle is businesses that aren't, I don't, I don't really want to use the word essential, but I like to do business with something that's very common. So for example, I own a marketing agency. That is not a new concept. That's not a new idea. It's not a new app. It's just very simple. You own an excavation company. Those have been around forever. It's very simple. It's, it's not simple, but those are out there. And so I struggle with tech where it comes where there's an idea and we need to raise money before we've made money like, yeah. and start this uh, seed round. That's where I really struggle with. And so I think if it's a simple business where you make money and at the end of the year, your goal is to spend less than you make and that's called profit. 
like that's that's about as far as my brain wants to go as far as business and yeah. i have a lot of respect though for people that do these um big raises in these other businesses where you need to raise capital but and we do have an episode uh i don't know if it's out yet but coming up on that um style of business but for me just simple business um i think i like to thrive more in that area and just know that there's other people that thrive in other areas too. Yeah. You're a simple man, Luke. So that would make sense. Yeah. And I, I guess where I was going with that before I just got lost there is your point about the Lamborghini and the, oh, do this, your get rich quick thing. That just, it screams scam to me every single time. And even the whole make money from Wi-Fi, that kind of stuff. I just like, no, if it hasn't been out there for a while, like I don't want it. So I agree. Uh, I I'm very uh I keep my eyes peeled for those and I I can spot them from a mile away, I feel like. So talk to somebody that's running a real business where you can see the product, you can see the service, you can see it working, you can see their real life customers, talk to them. Uh, I think that's a lot easier and a lot better. So don't buy into that shit because it's not yeah. real. Anybody yeah. who's started a business and owns a business and has tried it knows like hey after being in business for a month you're not going to be able to go and buy a lamborghini yeah and no yeah and just the consistency of what you would need to be making to do that and for a long period of time so it uh, it's not to say you can't get there but uh takes a little time takes some time yeah so but anyway i that was three man those were some solid questions um, thank you for the, your responses. Those were, those were good questions. I enjoyed talking about those because it was kind of a different, it was a different style question that we received and those were, those were fun to dive into. Yeah. I got, uh, one more before we jump off here. So, well, I'm going to save that one, uh, for the next one. So catch it on the next Q and a, we've got one more though that I do want to, uh, do for Beautiful. this one. So, all right. Main question is. How did you gain the confidence to quit your full-time job and go all in? So got this, this would be obviously somebody, um, or you, you know, you're working as a full-time employee. We, I was as well. We all were at some point. How did you get the confidence to quit that job and go full-time in business? I think we talked about this in a recent Q and a, but it's a good question it wasn't a confidence thing. It was an availability thing for me. I was getting to a point where I was not going to be available at one or the other. And I had to choose, Yeah. right? It, obviously you've got to have confidence to make that decision and, you know, confidence in yourself. You almost have to bet on yourself, but when you own a business and you work for somebody, you know, anybody who owns a business, it's more than, you know, more likely than not that they want to be their own boss. So they're probably going to take that route of business ownership. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work back to the drawing board. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of positions open right now to where people can learn a lot of different things and it can help, you know, excel your growth and do a different sector of business and help you start another. So I don't want to say it was confidence. I, yeah. I would more relate it to what one's going to take me farther. You know, yeah. where do I, where do I want to see myself in the next six months or a year or two years, which one is going to be able to get me to those goals that I have? Yeah. That's almost exactly how I would answer it as well. 
because it's, it wasn't much of a confidence thing. It was more of just a business sense of, well, if I do this, I can probably make more. But for me, I had to see the proof in the pudding and I'll also make sure my wife saw the proof in the pudding. I can't just quit and say, yeah, I'm gonna start my own business. And that would be uh, very risky. That would take a lot of confidence or balls. And for me, I, I had to show my wife, but also myself that, okay, there's money in this, this can work. And so building that up, the brand on the nights and weekends and really start getting that rolling before just mailing everything in that helped me. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't a confidence thing. It was more of a, where do I want to be in the next six months, tw uh, two years, four years. And it wasn't ideally working for somebody. It was, if I could do this on my own, that would be great. Um, and then having a team, having employees, having a mission that just, uh, that seemed more suited, suitable for me. So I knew I was going to do it. I just didn't know when. I think the confidence maybe that they're speaking to goes with more of like starting your company. You've got to be pretty confident to actually physically go out and start your company compared to, you know, if you do work for somebody, you've already started that company, you know, your confidence it was at an all-time high when you started that, right? Now it's just consistency once you have started it. So, yeah, that's actually a really good point because I feel like it does take way more confidence to start rather than way more confidence to leave your job because yeah. I think those are two totally different uh, times in your in the journey. So, yeah, to start it and also to tell people that you started it and to tell people this is what I do and this is my business having the confidence to do that, I, in my opinion, will make or break the ideas that you have. If you can confidently say, this is what I do. I just started a business. It's phaser marketing. We do digital marketing for X, Y, Z. It's a business I, I own. If you can confidently start saying that and start putting that out there, that will get you over that hump and avoid the the hot tub talks and all the ideas you always have, all the business ideas, and then they just never um, follow through. But being able to confidently say it, that can that can get you there. I agree. Good point. Good question. Cool. Sweet. Well, let's go with that. Um, that is a wrap on the Q&A session here. Mr. Luke, we will see you January 30th. Uh, we've got a big webinar coming up. So January 30th, man. Looking forward to it. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon.